a root that simply means tent. And of course, we're talking about giving today. If you're a guest at Woodburn Baptist Church or at the Franklin campus today or in the overflow, God bless you. Welcome to you. Uh, if you're wondering if, if uh, preachers, if this is all we ever talk about, uh, this preacher, that's not the case at all. I rarely preach on tithing because honestly, at Woodburn Baptist Church, uh, it's a very, very giving church. Uh, I've been a part of Woodburn Baptist for years and years and years, and everything I've learned about generosity and giving, I have learned from you folks, and I thank you for that. God bless you. You have been a good examples of what God has for us in, in our lives of stewardship. But just out of uh, curiosity, perhaps, and as a way of motivating you, I thought it would be interesting to start the sermon this morning by announcing the name of Woodburn Baptist Church's most generous giver, the biggest giver among us. Would you like to know? How many of you are, are vaguely suspicious it might be the person next to you? Just slip your hand up. Yeah, maybe the person next to you. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Uh, listen, the biggest, most generous giver at Woodburn Baptist Church, and this is the truth, is God. The biggest and most generous giver is God. The first principle of giving uh, as a pastor, as a, as, a, as a Bible preacher, the most important principle I can lay down here is that God is the ultimate giver. Romans 8.32 is a verse I want to give you. You don't have to turn it. It'll be on the screen for you, just one verse. But look what the Word of God says. Read these words with me. Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? That's from the Bible. This is the number one principle for giving. Understand that. God is the ultimate giver. The problem is, I guess it's the voice of the devil, or it's the voice of our own greed and stinginess, but when we start thinking about giving at church, we start making this assumption that somehow God is a taker. That God wants to take my money. That God wants to suck all of the fun, all of the joy right out of my life. That he wants to ruin me. And that is the devil's lie. Did you understand that? That's the devil's lie. It makes you misunderstand the character of God. It makes you misunderstand what God has for your life. And it makes you misunderstand what it means to give. God is the ultimate giver. God is the ultimate giver. All God wants to do is give to us. Give, give, give. God is a, a giver. The second thing I want you to remember is since God is the ultimate giver, if God asks you to give something to him, if God asks you to give something up, then the only reason that would be is because God wants to give you something better. If God asks you to let go of something, it's only because God wants to give you something better. God is not a taker. God is a giver. And we are meant to be givers. Turn back in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 14. I'm going to begin with verse 22. This is perhaps one of the oldest scriptures about tithing. Let me give you a clue about how I preach and how I plan my preaching. I was reading this text sometime last summer, last fall. And when I read this text, I thought I knew what it was going to say, but it didn't say what I thought it would say, and that bothered me enough to put it in my preaching plan. And I operate like that. If there's a scripture I don't really know what to do with, I'm just dumb enough to put it in there and plan on preaching it. Because I feel like that's a way that I can learn. It's a way that God will speak to me in a way that I can learn to go deeper in Scripture. So if you think you know what this Scripture is going to say, you need to listen and read carefully. It probably is not going to say what you think it's going to say. And in that, perhaps, is our most important insight about what it means to give. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22. This is what the Word of God says. 
you must set aside a, a tithe. What's the word tithe mean? A tenth. You must set aside a tenth of your crops. Why crops? Because in the ancient world, there wasn't money per se. There was some currency, but most people didn't have currency. Or or at least that's not the way the economy tended to trade. People had livestock. People had grain. And literally, when they brought their tithe to church, they were bringing bushels of grain. Or they were tugging along a goat. Do do you understand? They brought animals. they uh, they uh, They brought their harvest. They brought their goods. Not so frequently currency. So understand, this is the ancient world. You must set aside a tenth of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Doing this will, say the words with me, will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. Verse 24. Now when the Lord your God blesses you with a good harvest, the place of worship he chooses for his name to be honored might be too far to you to bring the tithe. If so, you may sell the tithe portion of your crops and herds, put the money in a pouch, and go to the place the Lord your God has chosen. When you arrive, you may use the money to buy any kind of food you want cattle, sheep, goats, wine, or other alcoholic drink, then feast there in the presence of the Lord your God and celebrate with your household. And do not neglect the Levites in your town, for they will receive no allotment of land among you. At the end of every third year, bring the entire tithe of that year's harvest and store it in the nearest town. Give it to the Levites who will receive no allotment of land among you. Let's stop there. Who are the Levites? Who are Levites? They're the temple ministers, the ministers at the temple, who because of their occupation at the temple, they can't raise crops. They don't have livestock. So part of the motivation for tithing, part of God's uh, commandment here, is to care for the ministers at the temple. Give it to the Levites, who will receive no allotment of land among you, as well as to the foreigners living among you, the orphans and the widows in your towns, so that they can eat and be satisfied. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all your work. Amazing, amazing. Take out your order of worship for a moment with me. I want you to see something. Take it out. Our secretary, Debbie Brown, is amazing and talented. It's always very well laid out, and today it is as well. You notice on every printed page, and it's not just our bulletin, our our, our order of worship. This is any printed page that you look at. There's always empty space around the edges, and we call that margin. We call that margin, the empty space, the, the free area around the printed page. We call that margin, and Andy Stanley has done a tremendous job of talking about this principle and applying it spiritually. We are designed as human beings. God has made us somehow attracted to margin. We like margin. If you had a printed page and all of the words were crammed all the way to the edge, you wouldn't like to read that. Something about that would push you away. We like margin. But not just on the printed page. We like margin. We like that extra space in all kinds of areas of our lives. Warren, stand up. Help me up. (laughs) 
one of the places where margin is very important to me is in personal space. Now, the other day, seriously, a, an older man came up to talk to me, and he got too close. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. He got really close. He got so close, I thought our noses would touch. And I got really uncomfortable with that. I was afraid we were about to kiss. He was just standing right here, and he was talking to me and talking to me. And it really kind of creeps you out, doesn't it, Warren? It's really kind of creepy. I could feel his breath. I could feel his spittle on my face so close. Have you ever known a close talker? You ever known anybody like that? I got a guy I'd like to introduce you to if you've missed that blessing. My goodness, there is this sense that I need margin. I need margin sort of away from you, and I love you. I love people, but I need some space. As that margin begins to shrink, as that man got closer and closer and closer to the tip of my nose, my stress level went up. Do do, do you get that? And margin is that way in, in all of the areas of our lives. We need margin. God made us that way. You ever driven down the interstate? Have you driven down the interstate lately? My car is approximately, like yours, about six feet wide. I think that's about average for the American car. About six feet wide. How wide is the interstate highway lane? One lane that you drive down, how wide is that? About 10? 12 feet, I believe, is standard. 10 or 12 feet. But it's something like 12 feet on the interstate, which means that lane gives me three feet of margin on both sides. Do I like that? Of course I do. You're teenagers out there driving. I want margin when I drive next to you. Now, sometimes on the interstate there's construction and those concrete barriers come up and I don't have any margin. And my stress level goes up. Whenever my margin begins to shrink, my stress level goes up. Do you understand that principle in your lives? It's the principle of margin. What I think it's important that you understand is that God has designed us to live with margins and to be most comfortable, most happy within margin. And I also want you to see that in Scripture, in God's law, in the commandments, he commands that we live lives with margin. It's a very important Old Testament principle. And it applies in many, many areas of our lives. Think first about our time. Our time. One of the fundamental principles in the Old Testament is the principle of the Sabbath. And, and very, very basically, what God says in His law is six days you shall work, but the seventh day will be a day of worship and no work, a day of rest. In other words, God said, in your schedule, in your week, everybody has the same limitation. Everybody has only seven days. Now, you could be more busy than I am, but it's not a contest, I promise you. We all have allotted the same limited amount of time. But even within those limits, God sets margin. And God says of those seven days, six days you work, the other day is for rest. In other words, what God is saying is, thou shalt not fill up thy schedule. Thou shalt not Fill up thy schedule. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Now think about your life right now just in relation to your time. 
Some of you do not live by that law. You don't live by that principle of not working and not filling up your schedule. God wants you to have margin, margin in your schedule. But many of us live a life without any margin. We don't have free time. We don't have time to think. We don't have time to breathe. And we live in offense to God's principle of margin. Six days are yours, God says, but the seventh day is mine. It is margin. It is time to be set aside. The problem is when you squeeze out the margin in your life, you squeeze out God. And for now, we can just keep talking about time. I'm a pastor. I talk to people about their spiritual lives all of the time. I talk to some of you all of the time. And in our spiritual lives, there are moments or seasons when we drift away from the Lord. And I often talk to you all in those moments when you've drifted away from the Lord. And nobody ever says to me, Brother Tim, I have walked away from the Lord because the Lord just wasn't taking care of me. Or Brother Tim, I walked away from Jesus because he quit forgiving me. He stopped being there with me in my moments of loneliness. Nobody ever says that. What do people say? Brother Tim, I've drifted away because... I got busy. Isn't that what everybody says? I just got busy. In other words, as you fill up your schedule, as you squeeze out the margin, you squeeze out God. And everything important in your life happens in the margins. When you fill up your schedule, for example, you don't have time for family anymore. You don't have time for friends. Relationships suffer. Relationships happen in the margin. Are you getting this principle? Because it also applies to your money. It's not just the principle of margin that God applies to our time. Don't fill up your schedule. You set aside my day for rest and worship. God also says that we all have limits financially. And that's true. We all have financial limits. Nobody has all the money in the world. And in our culture, nobody even has all the money that they want. We all have limits. But even within those limits, God has set aside a principle that we would live within margin. We would have margin. In other words, God says to his ancient people, that tithe belongs to me. In other words, thou shalt not spend all of your income. Thou shalt not spend everything that you make on yourself. Thou shalt not spend everything you make. You're supposed to leave margin. And that part left over is the part you give back to me, God says. You give that to me. And you also have margin. You have some left over so that you can give and so that you can share and so that you can take care of the poor. It doesn't get any plainer than that. And it doesn't matter how much money you make. God does not intend that you live paycheck to paycheck. God doesn't intend that you spend all of the income that's coming in for you. God intends that you live with margin. You live with margin. And when you begin to squeeze out the margin, your stress level goes up. Some of you live paycheck to paycheck, and you live with constant stress. Constant stress. When the phone rings, it could be a bill collector if they haven't already turned your phone off. You understand? Stress level goes up when you don't have margin. God says that we're supposed to live within margin. And we're not supposed to live paycheck to paycheck. And we're not supposed to spend all the money that we get. We're supposed to have some left over. It's a part of our planning. It's a part of our lifestyle. We set aside the tithe. 
the tithe belongs to the Lord. If you want to get real technical in the Old Testament, it's actually pretty complicated. And it sounds like, if you read carefully, they actually gave multiple tithes. And y'all don't even want to go there with me, do you? In the Old Testament, it really sounds like they gave two, maybe three different tithes, which means they weren't living on 90%. They were living on perhaps 80 or 70% of what they made. In the Old Testament, it sounds like there were multiple tithes commanded. But honestly, everything pertaining to money is typically complicated, and it's hard to sort that out. But it is plain that the tenth is that standard. The tenth is that beginning. It's that minimum point where God said, you set aside the tenth, that belongs to me. It's a simple principle. When it comes to your financial life, God wants you, God commands you to live with margin. You're supposed to have something extra. And that extra belongs to God. That extra is intended for you to give away. Man, honestly, stop. It's hard to preach this. It's always hard because I don't think a lot about money. I'm not a person who loves money. Y'all know me well enough to know that. And so I don't talk well about financial issues. I don't think a lot about those things. But with the economy that we have now, knowing that a good number of the people I'm looking in the face right here have lost jobs, of course I find this difficult to talk about. Because I know some of you sitting here today are saying, Brother Tim, you don't understand. You don't understand. I have no margin. I can't afford margin. I live paycheck to paycheck because my paycheck doesn't even pay my bills. And I promise you, I promise you, I I hear it when you tell me that. I get that. I really do get that. And my heart breaks for you. But it doesn't change the principle of Scripture. It does not change what God says. And something tells me that part of the reason your finances are sort of out of control is because your finances are out of of God's hands. When you put your finances, everything that you make, when you recognize that it comes from God, and when you give that back to him with the tithe, something tells me your finances will begin to come into line in a way you never imagined. Because here's the other principle I want you to get today. God blesses everything that is in his hands. God blesses everything that is in his hands. But as long as you're keeping it in your hands, God can't bless it. As long as you take your paycheck and you say, that's mine, God, you keep your hands of it, keep your hands off of it, it's mine, mine, mine. As long as you say that, you keep it in your little stingy hands, God can't bless it. You want to be the manager of your finances? God says, have at it. But you'll be living under a curse. That's what the Old Testament says. You'll be living under a kind of curse. You take your money, you keep it off yourself, you refuse to tithe, you don't give anything. The Bible says there'll be a curse over you. And the curse is kind of curious. That The curse is basically, as the book of Haggai says, it's going to be like you put your money in a pocket or in a purse with holes in it. It's like keeping your money in a pocket with holes in it. W.A. Criswell was former pastor of Woodburn way, way back in the day. He went on to be the, the pastor of the largest Southern Baptist church in America. And it's a, Criswell was an amazing man. When he was pastor of a smaller church one day, he was asked, Brother Criswell, how many members are there in your church? Dr. Criswell said, I have 150 members the pastor talked to him and said, well, Dr. Crystal, of those 150, how many of those people would you say are tithers? 
How many of them are tithers? Dr. Criswell said out of 150, 150 of them are tithers. Pastor said, Dr. Criswell, what do you mean by that? I don't really think that's possible. Dr. Criswell said, of course it's possible. Some of the people tithe at church on Sunday morning, but the others tithe all week long. Well, what do you mean by that? He meant they tithe to the auto mechanic. They tithe to the orthodontist. In, in other words, the money you don't give to God, do you really think you hang on to it? It's like putting it in a pocket with holes in it. I, I love Eric Walker and how he talks about tithing. When we were gathered for Eric's interrogation right before we ordained him, one of the questions we asked Eric was about his tithing habit. Eric, do you tithe? And Eric said, oh yeah, I tithe. My daddy taught me to tithe. And I love the way, I love the way Pastor Walker taught his son Eric to tithe. Eric says he'd be in college, he'd come in, and uh, he, he, he would be coming in, and, and he would have a flat tire. He'd say, Daddy, I got a flat tire in my car. And the father, the first thing he'd say is, did you tithe? Did you tithe? Isn't that interesting? Feel like you can't afford to tithe? My hunch is you can't afford not to. Do you really think that you can do more with your money than God can do blessing you with your money? But he can't bless it if you're hanging on to it. Don't you understand this? Everything in God's hands, he blesses. He multiplies. But you can't do that. You can't bless yourself. You can't multiply your own money for that matter. You can't provide for yourself. You can't do it. You're totally dependent upon the Lord. And that's what the tithe reminds us. That we're dependent upon him. Everything belongs to him. It's not just the tithe that belongs to the Lord. It all belongs to the Lord. He is the one who provides for me. He's the one who provides for you. You can't do anything on your own. Right now, if you take a deep breath, go ahead, take a deep breath. That breath in your lungs belongs to God. It's his planet. It's his oxygen. You don't have anything on your own. You don't even have the next heartbeat unless he gives it to you. Well, I've worked hard for my money. My money is mine. Keep your hands off of it, preacher. I don't want your money. But I want you to understand that it's God who gives you the health and strength to work every day. It's God who gives you the wits and the skill to do your job. You're totally dependent upon him. And all that he says is that the tenth, the tenth of what you make belongs to him. That's not much. That's not much. If you make $10 in a week, that means how much? $1 goes to God. $1 is your tithe. That leaves $9 for you. And I promise you, whatever God has for you, that 90% left over will cover it. God will provide for you hard part for many of us though is we're trapped in a culture that's very materialistic and we no longer have a very good sense of what is necessary and and what is simply a luxury it's fairly common these days as people come into our church asking for financial help and our church helps a lot of people and we love to help people understand that we love to help people But it's so common to be talking to somebody in the office and they're telling you how they can't pay their electric bill and they don't even have groceries and their kids don't have clothes and then ring, 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 hold a minute, I got to get that. And when they pull out of their pocket, an iPhone, an iPhone, listen to me, I don't have an iPhone, I can't afford an iPhone, I don't want to afford an iPhone, they're expensive, 
After you buy the phone, then you have to pay a data package every single month. Y'all know about these things? They're expensive. And there are families where every member of the family has their own phone. Can you imagine the money? I know you can imagine you're spending it. How much money goes for things like that? And we think that's necessary. We think we can't live without these things. A flat screen television, a nice car. And I'm telling you, this is the kind of trap our culture lays for us. These are not necessities. You don't have to have an iPhone. You don't have to have a brand new car. You don't have to have a house with rooms that nobody ever goes in. We've lost this sense of what is necessary. And we say that we can't afford to tithe, and yet we can afford these absolute, absolute ridiculous luxuries in our lives. It's a lie that the culture tells us. And meanwhile, we continue to tell ourselves that we can't afford to give. Everything in God's hands, he blesses. All of our money, all of our income belongs to him. When we put that tithe in the plate, it's a simple reminder of that. It's a reminder that it all belongs to him. And the tithe is simply a representation of everything else we have because everything we have belongs to him. So, Brother Tim, I'm just not sure about this church. I'm not sure that I feel good about giving my money to this church. Okay, listen to me, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If you don't feel like this church is responsible with your money, you need to find another church. That's basic. That's fundamental. If Woodburn Baptist Church is a church that doesn't handle money well, then you need to go. Let's all get on a bus now and go to another church. You've got to have confidence in the church where you worship and serve. And I love Woodburn Baptist Church. I love the fact that last year we gave 23% of everything that came in. 23% of what Woodburn Baptist Church collected, we gave away to missions. We gave away to take care of orphans around the world. We gave away to take care of those in the face of disaster. I love that. I love that Woodburn Baptist Church systematically gives We don't just save money for ourselves. It's not about us and our next potluck. Don't you get that? We're a giving church. I love that. I love that. I tithe to Woodburn Baptist Church, so I like knowing that the money is spent doing God's work. I feel good about it. I hope you feel good about it. Because there's no excuse for not giving. You say, well, I I still don't think I can live on 90%. That's ridiculous. I I need every dime of it. Okay, okay, listen to me. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Woodburn Baptist Church will give you a three-month challenge. Three-month challenge. For the next three months, you tithe. You tithe. You give a tenth. No more, no less. You give a tenth. You give a tithe. But document it. Use an offering envelope. Use some mechanism so your giving can be traced and documented. Okay, you tithe every dollar you make for the next three months, and you tithe to our church, if, if that's the way God leads you. At the end of three months, if you are not satisfied with the way God is taking care of you, we will give you all of your money back. Y'all think I'm kidding? I've said it through the years, I've said it a number of times, a number of you have taken up the challenge, nobody's ever come back and asked for their money back. God will do more with the 90% in taking care of you than you can ever do with all of it. Everything in God's hands, he blesses. Back to this scripture. Gosh, there are 50 Bibles up here and I can't find my own. 
back to the scripture with me. I told you, I read this scripture back last year, and it got under my skin because I just didn't understand it. It didn't say what I thought it was going to say. Look at what the word of God says. Back to verse 22. You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. Say the words with me. And eat it there. Who's going to eat it? You. That's the part I didn't understand. I didn't get that. I, I didn't expect that. Bring that tithe in, that, that grain, that, 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 that animal. Bring it into the, to the storehouse. Bring it into the temple. When you get there, eat it. You get to eat it. Uh, it. It goes on. Keep going. Uh, now, when the Lord your God, verse 24, he blesses you with a good harvest, the place of worship he chooses might be too far away for you to bring the tithe. If so, sell the tithe portion of your crops and herds. Put the money in a pouch. Go to the place the Lord your God has chosen. When you arrive, you may use the money to buy anything you want. Go buy yourself something nice. Go buy anything you want to eat. Invite your whole family. Have Thanksgiving on me. That's what God says. Does that surprise you? That's not exactly what I expected the Bible to say. I thought God wanted my tithe. I thought I'd bring the tithe, I'd give it to him, and i kiss it goodbye forever. But look at what the Word of God says. Bring that tithe in. Enjoy a feast. Enjoy a feast with gratitude and a thankful heart. Enjoy it with your household. Bring that tithe in. Eat it right there in my presence. Eat it as worship. What in the world does that mean? Y'all like the idea of bringing it in and spending it on yourselves? Man, I'm all about spending it on myself. But is that what the Word of God is teaching? Is that the principle? No, I think it's beautiful and I think it's simple. You know what the scripture teaches? It simply teaches that God is really not interested in your tithe. God is really not interested in what belongs to you. God is not interested in your money. He doesn't want your money. God wants you. Do you understand? Bring the tithe in, but then enjoy it in my presence. Come, bring it in. Have a meal on me, but have it in my presence. God wants you. It's what the whole thing is about. God wants you. You can't give him anything to enrich him. You can't give God anything that doesn't already belong to him. The scripture says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Guess what? He owns the hills too. Everything is his. You can't give him anything that isn't already in his hand except for your life. He wants you. It's your heart. The only thing in all of creation that can be withheld from God is your heart. He doesn't want your tithe. He doesn't want your money. God doesn't need your money. God's kingdom, God's work will go on with or without you. But he wants you. My friend, when you give your heart fully and completely to the Lord, when you surrender yourself to him, when you surrender yourself to his lordship and say, Lord, my life belongs to you, guess what? Your pocketbook comes along too. And when that happens, giving is not a burden. It's not a fearful thing. It's not a chore. It's a delight. 
If you think I don't know what I'm talking about, then the secret is you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't give. People who give understand that giving is cheerful. Giving is joyful. And those who give to the Lord will find that there is always, always something more to give. When God has your heart, truly that's all he wants from you. And truly, that's all that you can give. Give God your heart. Everything else will follow. If in a message about money you get a little uncomfortable, you get a little bit angry at me or angry at God or just can't wait for the service in so you can get out of here, I want you to understand, you've got a spiritual issue. That's a spiritual problem. Your love for money, your tenderness around this area probably suggests that there's something here that God doesn't yet have a hold of in your life. Give it over to him. Scripture says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When your heart belongs to God, everything else that belongs to you belongs to God. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, you are the ultimate giver. You have given us everything that we have, our lives, our health, our strength, the breath in our lungs, our our families, our, our jobs. Lord, it all comes from you. And the money that we have, as little or much as it may be, it all comes from you. And we know, Lord, that you continue to give and give and give to us. Jesus, help us to trust you enough to be obedient with our tithes. God, for some of us, this is a very, very difficult issue. Some of us, Lord, are having very difficult financial times. But, Lord, we want to tie to you as a testimony to our faith that you are the God who provides for us. And you will bring us through this difficult time, and you will never, ever leave us unprovided for. You are the ultimate giver. Lord Jesus, I pray for those in this house today who haven't given you their tithe because they haven't given you their heart. Lord Jesus, help them to understand that the message today is not about money. It's about hearts. Lord Jesus, truly what you want are hearts. So Lord, in what concludes of this worship service, I pray that as we sing, as we come to the altar, as we pray, we will lift our hearts up to you, give them to you. All that we are, all that we have, all that we could ever hope to be we give back to you. In Jesus' name.